0: The podcast that you're about to listen to may cause brain freeze. Well, hey, hey there, happy innovators. How are you all doing out there? I'm doing pretty good, I gotta say. I am. I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm Still sad a little bit about my folks and everything, but, you know, life goes on. And, uh, you know, my wife has been a large part of that, too, you know, helping me to kind of cope and to help keep me in, like, a better mood, make me laugh, you know. And uh, it was kind of funny the other day, we were driving around in the car, and my wife has this playlist of pretty much all my music, you know, and... She had it on shuffle and she was playing my songs. And, you know, sometimes I like to listen to my songs. Sometimes I kind of just want to listen to something else, you know, but you know, we're in the car and song after song of stuff I've done, PC three pipe choir and everything. And I'm like, man, you know, like, can we listen to something else? (laughs) You know, please, can we listen to something else? And she's like, no, I'm like, what do you mean? No. And she's like, well, every time I listen to this stuff, we get paid. I just like lost it. Like, that is so funny. Like, I can't believe it. It's true though, too. Every time we play my songs on our playlist, we get paid for it. So technically, you know, we could sit there listening to my music on constant play and I would get paid every time it gets played. I think that's funny. But my wife is like that, you know. She's like a she's such a good friend and she's so funny and so goofy and uh just, you know, has like my brand of humor, you know. And uh my birthday is April 30th and my wedding anniversary is May 1st and my wife's birthday is May 2nd. So there's 3 days, you know, of uh celebrating our, our birthdays and our anniversary and you know, that way I could never forget the date of my anniversary, right? Well, anyway, this year on our birthday, it was so funny because I asked my wife, you know, what she wanted for her birthday. And I I said to her, like, you can have anything you want, you know, literally anything you want. Just ask for it and you'll get it for your birthday. Anything, okay? And, you know, it's so funny because my wife didn't want jewelry, okay? She didn't want a car, or you know, fancy clothes or a trip to France or anything like that you know what my wife wanted was probably like one of the only things I cannot give her which is a Yeti she actually asked for a Yeti you know <sighs> I love that girl you know I just laugh my ass off when she does stuff like that you know she's such a smart ass sometimes you know uh, so, yeah, she wanted a Yeti. And, of course, we got into this argument about, like, the difference between Bigfoot and Yeti. And are you sure you don't want a Bigfoot? Are you sure you want a Yeti? You don't want, you know? Are you sure? Yeah. That's how conversations go in my house. It's pretty funny, actually. I, I lost it. She just is so funny. I guess you had to be there, right? The timing, you know? And, uh. You know, I'm thinking about her a lot because she's really kind of like a a life preserver, a life raft for me, you know? And uh, especially now that my folks are gone and we really kind of lost a lot of our connection to Ohio, you know, it's really just her and I, and we're kind of like on this life raft together out in the middle of the ocean. That's what it feels like. Yeah, that's what it's kind of like. We're kind of like out here in the middle of the ocean on this life raft, and... um you know it helps to keep the humor going you know to to laugh as much as we cry you know and uh it's kind of funny i i can share with you another story here you know my my wife and i never have gotten into a fight we've never fought we might have disagreed about something but there's always like this respectful kind of tone and you know we'll we'll discuss things but we've never raised our voices at each other or anything like that Uh, Except for one time, okay, in about 20 years, okay, and it was about (laughs) maybe like a couple months ago, okay, we were on our way home from Ohio after my mom's funeral, and I had loaded up a rental van with like a bunch of stuff from their house, like heirlooms and things that I wanted to take, That, you know, would be too delicate to ship from Ohio, you know, via FedEx or whatever and uh, stuff that I couldn't fit on a plane, you know, too much stuff. So we rented a van and we drove across uh, the state of New York, you know, from Ohio to New York, Pennsylvania, you know, all that. And uh, there's this bridge that goes from New York to Massachusetts. It goes over like the Hudson River. And it's called the Charleston Bridge. And I swear to you, this bridge has been under construction, okay, for, man, I've got to say at least 20 years. Probably more than that, okay? And it is such a difficult bridge to drive over, okay? It's like the way that they have this bridge partitioned off while they're working on it. You know you're driving literally like one foot away from the edge of the bridge okay and there's this teeny tiny little railing you know that would not stop anything from going over that bridge okay and there's like a maybe a a 50-foot drop okay so over the years you know usually we fly to Ohio and back. You know, that's usually what we do. But every once in a while, for one reason or another, we've decided to drive. Okay. And this was one of those times. Well, I told my wife, you know, before we left, you know, she was kind of like navigating the path that we were going to take. That's usually how we do it. She'll navigate and I drive, you know? She'll just tell me where to go and I just do, I'll sit there and I'll drive until we're done, you know? Um, but, You know, I told her, I said, look, like, I do not want to go over that bridge. So let's find an alternate route to get back to Massachusetts. Oh, okay. You know, so we're driving along and we finally get to the border of Massachusetts and New York. And it looked awfully familiar to me. And I said, hey, are we going to go over that bridge? And right when I asked that question, we made this turn around this like bend and there it was i was it was too late i was going over the bridge again okay and i was absolutely furious that we were doing this i mean okay truth be told i'm not exactly comfortable with heights okay and this bridge is so freaky you can google it i mean people are complaining about this bridge for like 20 years okay they just will not finish fixing this bridge okay And I think the last time I had driven over it was maybe 10 years ago, you know, and it's still not fixed. It's exactly the same as it looked 10 years ago. Okay. And, uh, so we're driving over this bridge and it's like a mile long. Okay. And I'm like white knuckling it. I mean, I was so angry. I actually started to yell. Okay. I was so angry that we were going over this bridge again, you know and uh oh man I felt so bad after we got over the bridge you know and I was so angry though and I was like I told you I do not want to go over this thing like don't do that you know and oh I'm sorry I'm sorry you know and then, of course you know what am I going to do you know but it's like oh, I was so mad that was the first time I got angry in 20 years you know and uh it was more like panic you know i was like sweating and white knuckling it I, f- I hate this thing you know i hate this bridge i hate it and the car is just barely wide enough to like make it you know oh it was terrible but you know that actually kind of reminds me of another time where i got frustrated with her okay and it was actually pretty funny because it may have been during like COVID, you know, that kind of thing where uh, my wife was staying home, you know, to work. Okay. So it was great. You know, we both worked from home and all that. I mean, everybody else was bumming out about COVID and, oh, it's so awful. I have to stay home. And For my wife and myself, it was like a vacation. It was fantastic. We got to sleep in. She started work pretty much whenever she wanted to. I always start work whenever I want to. And uh, it was just nice. You know, we would work in our offices, our separate offices, because we each have a separate office, like a separate space of the house that we use. And um, so, you know, we we would work and then we would meet in the kitchen in the middle. Like at lunchtime and then we would go back to our work and then we would come back for dinner. I mean, day after day of this in COVID, you know, but at first my wife didn't kind of like understand that I'm used to being here by myself and when I'm working and recording on stuff, like you, you can't just come walking into the room, you know, like if you walk into the room, I might have a microphone Like a a hot microphone recording something, and you just came in, walked in, and made a noise and you blew it. You know, you can't do that, you know? So, you know, it, it happened maybe once or twice, okay? And the second time, I kind of like, I kind of like yelled. I kind of like yelled, you know? Like, you know, you can't do that. Don't do that. Don't just come walking in while I'm recording like just don't do that you know I'm recording and now I have to start over again you know and oh man that was like the perfect take you know and you just blew it like don't do that and she didn't know okay she didn't understand but then you know after I kind of told her she got it but what was funny was this is what really makes me laugh and I mean this is totally her okay Instead of getting like angry with me about that, like, oh, you know, F you, you know, I could do whatever I want, or, well, why don't you put a thing on, you know, nothing like that, you know, from her. She doesn't say anything. She just walks out of the room. I'm sorry. She walks out of the room, and then <laughs> about an hour and a half later, you know, this piece of paper slides under my door. <laughs> You know, saying like it's time for dinner or something, you know, but oh my gosh, as soon as that paper slid underneath the door, I just started laughing, you know, like she is so funny, like, like the perfect way to handle this minor meltdown that I had, you know, but uh, other than those two incidences, okay, in the entire time we've been together, we've never fought, never argued It's usually very amicable and very... There's, you know, harmony in our house between each other. So it's kind of funny, you know. I think it is anyway. Just love that girl. Anyway, you know what? I got one more story about my wife that I'm going to share with you. And it's kind of funny too. I guess maybe it's not funny to everybody, but it's funny to me, okay? Um, You know, for a while, a long time ago... This is right when we first got married. Um, You know, like we would kind of be like be telling each other what to do. Like We had to go somewhere. We had to do something or something needed to be done at a certain time. You know, eventually, like when I would, (laughs) when my wife and I would be doing that, she would tell me something that she wanted me to do. You know, like by three o'clock, you have to do this, you know, Make this phone call, talk to this place, whatever. And, you know, I got into the habit of like saluting her. You know, like, okay, Captain, you know. And, you know, she thought it was funny, so she started to do it back to me. Okay? I'd be like, Honey, you know, you remember you gotta have dentist appointment tomorrow at five, you know, and she'd be like, saluting me, you know, like, yes, sir, you know. And uh so this one time we were talking about something and, uh, we were having a disagreement about something. I forget what it was even, you know, but <laughs> I, uh, I saluted her, you know, and like, it was so funny. Cause like in this total, like voice of like, you know, frustration or just exasperation, like she just had had it, you know, she's like, man. Don't <laughs> Don't don't salute me, okay? <laughs> don't salute me. <laughs> that is a conversation that would only be held in my house, you know. <laughs> Man, don't Don't salute me, okay? Don't. <laughs> Yes, sir. (laughs) Oh, yes, 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 yes. I love that girl. I love that girl. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and get a sip of my coffee here. I suggest if you have a cup, you do the same. And uh, I'm going to try out something new right here. Check this out. Every time I'm going to have a cup of coffee, this is what you're going to hear. Grab your cup. Coffee time. What do you think of that? Huh? That'd be cool. Every time I'm gonna get a sip, that's what you'll hear. I won't even say it anymore. I'll just go Grab your cup. It's coffee time. Okay? Sound good? Now that we all understand that, we can move forward with this podcast. That may cause brain freeze, remember. Um anyway, so <sighs> I think it's kind of interesting. That idea of changing the podcast a little, you know? Over the years, this podcast has kind of, like, been gradually refined. Um, In the beginning, before there were happy innovators, you know, and uh, before there was the music and my voice and the video and the logo and all that, you know? It's like all this stuff over the years has kind of developed. And it kind of, like, occurred to me that, you know might be cool to add some more you know so you got that thing in the beginning and then I'm doing now and I think I'm going to make it a permanent thing I mean I think it's pretty cool I'm going to do it hope you like it a lot of people seem to like it you know I got some good responses you know in my case if I get like two or three positive responses like that's a lot to me you know um, I don't have Joe Rogan numbers <laughs> you know but uh yeah so I think it's pretty cool. I hope that you guys like it too. Anyway, so what do I want to talk about today? Other than Yeti and my wife and how goofy she is. Um, you know, it's weird because, you know, ever since this whole flat earth thing, you know, became part of the zeitgeist and people were talking about flat earth and all that stuff. And there's a lot of people who don't believe it. There's a lot of people who do believe it. And there's a lot of people who are somewhere in between. And I think that, like, with my wife and I, it's become something that we find humor in. You know, it makes us laugh. So, you know, for the maybe the past three or four years, every time we're watching television, like a movie or something like that, we will spot on the screen a globe, okay, and that's like one of the claims of like the flat Earth community, is that like we're being force-fed this idea of a planet Earth and a spherical Earth, okay? And they they claim that you know they use movies and film and television programs as like propaganda to you know show the round Earth, and um, that may or may not be true. I don't know. But what my wife and I say, like, whoever spots the globe first, okay, while we're watching something, um, we'll yell out, like, it's flat, you know? And I'll try to see where, you know, she goes, like, oh, it's flat. And I'll look, and I'll look, I'll look, oh, I see it. You know, whoever spots it first, we yell that out. It's become kind of like a joke in our house. But it occurred to me the other night as we were laughing about that, you know, we spotted a globe in a movie we were watching, and I yelled out, it's flat, you know. Um, we do that a lot, you know. Like it really does, kind of seem when I sit down and think about that. You know, it's yeah. There, there is a globe, in pretty much everything we watch, especially if it's like a professional production, you know, like a film or a talk show. You know, a TV show or something, a commercial, even, you know, there are globes all over the place, you know? So I thought about that, you know, because we see it a lot. It is true. And we make a joke out of it and we laugh and it's funny. But, you know, sometimes it's kind of like we're not kidding, you know, like it is flat. You know, I kind of think that way. Like uh, we laugh. But I think there's a part of both her and I that kind of wonders, you know, like, hmm. Well, it certainly is a possibility, you know, for people that don't understand it, you know, they don't understand the idea of Flat Earth and what it means. They have this image in their mind of what it is. And that's an inaccurate image. There's a lot of things like that, though, where, you know, um... You know, the general public has like a perception of something and it's really not accurate like to the people who are involved in whatever it is you know like uh, you know there's people who would say there's scandal inside like the, the, the Catholic Church that those kinds of things and they make judgments and they, they think they know what's going on there but they really don't you know like to the people who are participating in it that that belong to that church they know what's going on but if you're not even involved at all your information is probably not correct okay it's probably inaccurate and that's just one example I think there's a lot of things that are like that and the flat earth is one of those things it's like when people say flat earth everybody has this idea in their head of what that looks like You know, there's an edge that you can fall off or whatever. But, you know, that's really not what the flat earth community believes. That's not it at all. You know, in fact, from my best understanding, which is limited, um, you know, their idea is that the earth goes on and on and on and on like there's other continents that we're not even aware of or we're not able to see or whatever like beyond a certain distance there's more land okay and i don't know how how would i ever know like i would have to get on a ship you know and and sail off into oblivion on this ship you know That's never going to happen. I'm never going to do that. You know? And, And if someone else does it, now, we can't trust that what we're seeing is real anyway. Everything can be faked. You know? And, you know, yeah, I guess I could trust scientists, but like I said in the last podcast, you know, it's like, how do I know? How do I know that the guy who's telling me the facts about something... Like, whether the Earth is round or flat. How do I know how to verify what he's saying? Like, because it's in a book, you know, a a world history book or something that somebody wrote. How do I even know that somebody wrote that book? How do I know that book wasn't written 20 years ago, but they're making it look like the book was written 300 years ago? How do I know? There's no way to know. And maybe it's always been like that. I don't know. But I... I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Has history always been an obfuscation of the truth? Like, always. Like, even back in the days of, like, you know, the medieval times, you know, was the knowledge of the past that those people had inaccurate as well? Or, or, okay, is it like those people never even existed at all? Like, there was never, ever a medieval time. Is that possible? Well, yes, it's certainly possible. Just because somebody said there was a period of time called the medieval time. Okay. Uh, Knights and castles and horses and princesses and dragons and all that stuff. Hey, hey, you know, how do we even know? All right. We just have to trust. I mean, at some point you have to put an end to the doubt and come to some kind of something of a conclusion right you have to but where is that stopping point like i don't know i don't know so i mean for now you know i'm content with this idea of just accepting the idea that there are alternate possibilities okay that perhaps the 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 history that we've been taught as truth is not true Okay, we have been told something that's not true and not accurate. Why is that? You know, I don't know. The flat earthers, those kind of folks, they claim, that community, okay, they claim that the reason that we are being told that the earth is round is because they don't want us to know that there are other pieces of land that we're not even aware of on this plane that we live on, this realm that we live in okay now think about that wouldn't that be fascinating and you know there's that one admiral his name is admiral Byrd. his name was admiral Byrd. he was a famous explorer for the u.s navy and you know he famously you know went out to find what was out there you know he had a he was an expert explorer he was uh you know given the highest honors our government can give to a soldier you know and uh, he was given the huge responsibility of taking like an armada of ships out to see what was at the edge like like, what is out there if you start to sail this direction like south what do you get to you know and uh, he famously made the claim in his writings that He found a lot more than what we are being taught, okay? Now, you may not believe that. That's okay. That's a thing called cognitive dissonance. Like, you don't want to have your truth challenged, you know, so you don't believe it. But there are documented cases of people, human beings, in recent history traveling out And finding more than we are told is here, okay? Look it up, Admiral Byrd, okay? And here's another weird thing about the whole flat Earth thing, okay? And remember, I'm not saying I think that the Earth is flat, okay? I just am kind of arguing with myself about it. What could it be? You know, is it true or is it false? I don't know, but there was a famous scientist... His name was Werner Von Braun, okay? I believe his name was. Yes, Werner Von Braun. He was from Nazi Germany. He was a Nazi scientist that after the war, they captured him. They brought him to the States and they made him work for our government, okay? Because he was a brilliant scientist, I guess, okay? And he was the guy who helped start NASA. He was the guy who, you know, started to help with the developing of rockets and space travel, all these things, right? Okay. Things that we're all familiar with. They started with him. Okay. And what's really strange about this, okay, is that when Werner von Braun died, okay, on his headstone, it says his name. I think it says the date that he was born, the date that he died. And then in the corner, there's a Bible verse listed there. And when you go to that Bible verse in the Bible, it talks about the earth having a firmament over it, that there is no outer space, that there is a, there is a water dome that is over our realm. Okay? Okay or an ice dome over our realm. That's what's on his headstone, okay? Now, why would he put it there? Was it like a one last kind of like F you to humanity? I don't know. Or was it like, hey, everybody, here's a clue. His last act of altruism, you know, before he died, was to put that Bible verse on his headstone. OK, so you can make of that whatever you want and you're free to look it up and see it for yourself. You know, what was this guy talking about? Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Hmm. You know, a lot of the time with stuff like this, especially in the world of science, you know, it's really just like everything else. You know, the arts, the humanities, science. You know, uh, finance, business, you know, economics, uh, you know, computing, computers, technology. You know, when somebody is like an expert in those things, it becomes their identity. You know, um, I would say it's true. You know, it's true for me. You know, being a musician or an artist has become, you know, my identity. You know, I do a lot of other things, you know, play sports and I mean, I do all kinds of stuff, you know, but really everybody that knows me kind of knows that I'm doing the music thing. I'm kind of doing the art thing. You know, I'm one of those guys, you know, and it becomes your identity. And but my point is, is that when something like that becomes your identity, it's really hard to kind of accept that there may be a challenge to your expertise you know like as right as you think you've got it as much as you think you know you may not know much or you may not know anything at all really compared to what there is to know and that's another thing too knowing what you don't know like knowing how much you don't know you know but, but with science okay and this is why I'm talking about it here with science, if it's their identity, okay, think about it, a college professor, he's working at MIT, uh, you know, very intelligent, excellent grades, you know, uh, could uh, could get into a school like Harvard and excel, and then eventually at some point become so successful and so noted at what they're doing in the field they chose to pursue, they become a professor, at Harvard. They teach other people. That's how much they know about this thing, you know, science, you know, whatever it is. They know so much about it that Harvard asks them, okay, to teach. Think about that. To become a professor at Yale or Harvard or any of the Ivy League schools, MIT, think of, just think about that. Okay? Now, What would happen to all those men? Because there's a, you know, there's more than one. There's a few colleges in America, you know, uh, which reminds me of something else, by the way. Really quick, I'm going to break away here and just mention this because it's something I should have mentioned a long time ago and I always forget. But, you know, you hear all the time that, like, the schools in America suck. You know, like, American public education education and all that kind of stuff sucks that may be true sometimes but it's not like the standard that's here and you know you hear these stories we hear these stories anyway my wife and i do because she's an educator you know we hear these stories about oh in china all the students are excelling and you know blah 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 like they are so smart okay they are so smart Oh, over here in India they are so smart. Okay. But here's the thing. In those schools overseas in other countries, unlike America and the American public education system, those schools like in China and in India, all over Australia, all over the world, they don't have to take all the students. You know, if if students are mentally retarded or They have a learning disability or whatever, they don't get to go to school in China, okay? But here in America, in our school systems, we have to, by law, allow every child to be educated, okay? So when people talk to you about how much it sucks in America, you know, the public education, you can tell them to kiss your ass because they don't know what they're talking about, all right? And yeah, it's not like great everywhere. I get that, but this idea that this blanket term, like, you know, bad for American education, like it's bad, all of it is bad. It's not acceptable. It's not as good as other countries or whatever. Just remember, you know, they get to pick and choose. They cherry pick the students that get to go to their schools. But here in the States, we take everybody. We have to. Why do we have to? Because it's the law that's what that's a law here in america okay and one more thing on this front okay think about this whenever somebody from like china is a really good student or when somebody from india is a really good student or whatever why do they come to america to go to college why is that if the schools here suck so bad and the education in america is so bad and so low quality okay why are they clawing at each other to get into the schools that are here in America? Think about it. People don't talk about that very often, but here in my house, that's the kind of stuff that we talk about. The stuff that most people don't even know. They don't even think about it. But my wife has to, because that's like her life, right? So we talk about it a lot. and. I'll tell you what, she's opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. A lot of the things that people think about education in general or academia, a lot of the things that people believe or the things that people are told are not true. They're not accurate. They're political or whatever. They're not true. Now, like I said, not every school is great. Not every situation is great, but... Just remember that the next time you hear somebody talking about how bad American public education is, you know, just think about it. There's a lot of stuff to talk about there. And I just wanted to touch on it because I always say to myself, I want to talk about that. But I forget this time I remembered I talked about it. It's done. Right. Okay. so back to what I was talking about with this idea of identity. When a scientist has the identity, Of, you know, being a very brilliant person, uh, being an expert at what they teach, what they're talking about, like really knowing what they talk about. It's like somebody like Neil deGrasse Tyson or, you know, Michio Kaku, you know, these guys that are just like, what, brilliant? Okay, what if, what if, what if the basics of what they're teaching, like the fundamentals back when they were young? what they learned when they were young, what if those things that they learned were not true? Like, what if the foundation for Michiakaku's education was based on a globe earth and the earth is not a globe? It has to be a globe in order for him to have a career, in order for him to get the grant money, you know? Like, it can't be flat. Do you understand? Like, it can't. It will not be flat. They need the money. They need that that life, that identity. What are you going to do? Wipe that away in one fell swoop? You're going to reveal all of a sudden that what we've all been taught all these years is wrong? I'm not saying it is wrong. I'm just talking about the possibility that it might be. Okay? Just the mere possibility that what we are taught Might not be true. Think about that. How do we know what's true? And you know, what is your identity? Okay, my happy innovators. What is your identity? What do you identify as? And I'm not talking about your sexual whatever, your sexual appetite. I'm talking about you as a person at the core of your person. You know, are you a doctor? Are you a mechanic? You work with your hands and fix things. Are you an artist? Do you come up with something in your imagination and then materialize it in front of you and then show the world? Is that what you do? Think about it. It's so cool to think about. Are you an educator? Okay. Like my wife, are you an educator? You know, you you get information, the basic uh, fundamentals of counting and reading. I mean, just think about that. And do you you impart that knowledge onto other people that don't know how to read? You teach them how to read. Think about how important that job is. Just that one aspect of teaching, you know, teaching somebody how to read, how to read, unlocking the world for somebody, you know, because people who can't read, they might be able to find success and get by and survive. But just think about the power of reading, being able to read language, you know? My wife, the girl that I married, that's what she does. She teaches little retarded kids and kids who are blind and kids who are deaf. She teaches them how to read. They can read books and they can do all those things, you know, It's so easy to kind of like poo-poo it and like, oh, big deal, you know? Oh my gosh, it's like a really, really big deal, you know? Like I've always kind of thought to myself, like when my wife passes away, when she's an old lady, hopefully, and she meets the Lord, you know? He will show her the lives that she touched, like like a pebble in a pond, you know? This one person. You throw that pebble in the water and the ripples just ripple out and you don't even really realize how many lives you're affecting. Here is an awesome story, man. I could tell you, I I don't think I've ever told this story before on the Singularity podcast, but this is true. We went to this bank that we go to all the time to do our banking, okay? And it's in a town that my wife used to teach in, Okay. So we go to the bank, and I forget what we were doing. We were going to, like, close an account and open this account and do this or whatever. We walk into the manager's office to sit down to do the deal, you know. And the girl who's sitting at the desk as the manager of the bank, okay, was one of my wife's former students. And she said, are you Mrs. Bostwick? You know, do you remember me? You taught me how to do math. And... My wife just was, like, stunned, you know? She was stunned because when she met this girl, man, she couldn't do math to save her life. And the problem was that she had a hard time, like, doing the steps of mathematics on paper. So my wife gave her a calculator, okay? And that simple act of handing this little girl this calculator, eliminating the need for pencil and paper. She could do the computations. She was brilliant, brilliant enough to become a bank manager. You know what I mean? And we just were shocked. We, we, we were so stunned sitting in that office talking to her. And when we left, we talked about it for a couple days, you know, like, oh my gosh, that just blows my mind. Like, that has never happened before where we walked into a room, one of your students was in there and they're like in charge and you helped empower them. You helped put them there, you know, and then, you know, a couple of days pass and we forget, you know, but every once in a while it comes back into my mind, you know, and you know, okay, back to my point now It's like, that's my wife's identity, you know, it would be really difficult if that were taken away or it changed somehow you know and there would be a certain amount of resistance you know Uh, the same goes for me like if somebody were to somehow you know try to like challenge my knowledge of music or whatever which I don't really care about because you know there's a lot I know and there's a lot I don't know and I don't really care and I'm always in pursuit of more knowledge so you know it doesn't bother me but That idea of having your identity challenged Like that Like I said, I'm not talking about your sexual preference You know, or what kind of clothes you want to wear I'm talking about your core You know, your core What are you? What are you? What do you do? You know, like the dude asks in uh, The Big Lebowski What do you do? You know, hmm What a question And that idea of having that identity challenged is really, when you think about it, especially in the world of science, you know, where it's like uh, we rely on them to be experts and to tell us the truth of what the world is. What if they're wrong? <laughs> like, What if they are? What if they're operating under false pretenses? Like, They may have a lot of knowledge, yeah, but what if, what if, okay? at the very beginning of their journey, this idea that the earth was round rather than flat or whatever, what if the earth is actually flat? It's not round. You can take a 50-year career and throw it right down the toilet. I mean, like, it's over. And, like, who would ever want to listen to those guys ever again? They would be useless, right? Right, A scientist who was debunked (laughs) you know what I mean it's like think about it like when people go why would they lie about the flat earth you know why would they lie that the earth is round think about it you know commerce you know finances that's one reason you know think about it now I'm not saying that the scientists that are teaching us science and you know they're making their proclamations that the earth is 10 million years old or no wait 200 million years old, or no, wait, 400 million years old, or no, wait, 800 million years old. You know, they don't even know, you know, they can't even come up with a number, you know, they can't even agree on a number, how old the earth is. I don't know. They try to tell us that the earth is like this way. And at the center of the planet, there's this core of molten metal, you know, or whatever, molten rock or whatever, Right at the core of the Earth, but the deepest that they've ever drilled down is like eight miles. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, how do you know that that's what the core of the Earth looks like? You want to know something? You don't know what's at the center of the Earth. You don't know, because the deepest anybody has ever been able to go is eight miles, and then they hit this barrier, okay, and they can't go any further. It breaks drill bits I mean, it's like it, you cannot go past the 8-mile mark when you go underground. Think about that. Pretty weird. It's something like that. I mean, don't quote me on 8 miles. I'm pretty sure, though, that is the number. So if somebody's like, no, it's actually 14 miles. You know, they went down 14 miles. Like, okay, 14 instead of 8. The point is is that nobody knows what's at the center of the earth, Right. So why are we talking or why why are they showing us these drawings, these graphics, you know, of what they think the earth looks like? I don't know. Am I a skeptic? I wouldn't say I'm a skeptic, but I would say that I look at all things, you know, like science is supposed to do. You know, it's the pursuit of truth, you know? Not just like proving that religions are wrong, you know, or that the Bible is wrong. That's really what it's about. You know, they don't want to believe in that. They don't want to acknowledge that there is a God or there is anything. So anything, but Jesus, you know, like anything in the world, absolutely anything. It could be Buddha. It could be transcendental meditation, anything, anything, but Jesus, the Bible, Christianity, anything, but that, right? That's really what it seems like to me. And, uh, I don't know. Maybe I've got it all wrong. I could. I will, you know, accept that as part of this discussion. Right? Grab your cup. It's coffee time. I think it's a good time to have some coffee. Anyway, so where was I? Oh, yeah, talking about the identity thing. So I think you get my point I've talked about it long enough today Now I'm going to drop one more thing here At the end of this podcast Something that I kind of thought about The other day Maybe you'll kind of see where I'm coming from Or maybe you'll kind of like Agree that it's at least interesting Okay Um, Do you remember in the last podcast When I was talking about That idea of They're finding the, the remains Of you know Egyptian civilization right here in the Americas and how the Indians live on like the mountains and the mesas like that could at one point have been places where they lived like you see a mountain that's what we see now but a long 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 time ago it was a building a massive massive building that got fried by some event right well I was thinking about this the other day, okay? stick with me on this. You know how when they show, like, an Egyptian pharaoh, they're wearing those things on their head, like a headdress? They call that anemes. That's the name of that headdress that you see, you know, King Tut wearing, you know, and all the famous pictures and stuff, or on the sarcophagus, they'll have this headdress on, okay? That's called anemes. Okay, N-E-M-E-S. Okay. Now think about how similar, just for a moment, okay, think about how similar that Nimes is in Egypt to the headdress that Indian chiefs wear, you know, traditionally here in America. Just think about that. How similar they look in their shape and their size. You know, one is made out of feathers, of course, right? And the other is made out of, like, fabric, some kind of textile or, uh, you know, precious jewels and stuff like that, or gold, you know, that kind of thing. But just for the sake of thought, like a, a, a short little thought experiment, just consider how similar those two things are, Okay? Just think about that. The Indian had dress and the Egyptian names. Think about that. Pretty weird, isn't it? You can't deny it. There's, there's definitely a similarity there. You know, it's not like a top hat or a derby, you know, or a baseball hat. It's like they, they look very, very similar, but they're just fabricated from different materials, you know? And we're told that, you know, they're from two different periods of time but it's my contention at least at this point that they're not from a separate time like they were coexisting or what we know as the Indians were actually like Egyptians too like it's all the same people you know the same civilization could be could be nobody knows for sure it could be right so don't say no because nobody knows for sure Nobody knows. And another thing that I thought about, okay, this is like kind of strange, but whenever they show like an Egyptian king, like a pharaoh, okay, they'll show them with their arms crossed and they're holding these two different devices. You know, one of them looks like a crook, you know, for shepherding people. And the other one looks like a whip, okay, And I don't even want to get into the implications of, you know, what that could mean, like what sweethearts they were to have a crook and a whip for you, you know, the the peons, the slaves, you know, but I wonder sometimes, and I've heard this talked about a little bit, you know, that those may be those two items that, you know, we're told what they are, but that could be total BS like nobody really really knows what they're for maybe um, maybe they are sources of power you know like uh, like devices that make energy of some kind or manipulate energy in some way you know that we're not familiar with or we don't understand but every time you see a Pharaoh every time you see the hieroglyphics or whatever, they're holding these two things you know, and the explanation we're given is like the crook is like for sheep, you know to, to keep people in line with this crook, to keep them from straying away or getting away and the whip is, you know, to keep them working, okay and that very well may be what that is, okay, I don't know but what if those are two weapons or two sources of power, you know, that we don't understand? And, you know, there's this this uh, device that's called a fascist. Um It's an ancient weapon. And you see it all the time. Like Benito Mussolini used it as like his logo. Um, it's like this bundle of sticks with arrows coming out the top. And, you know, it's this uh, like a, like an axe kind of like, with a really wide handle. That's what it looks like. a Like a two blades, like on an axe, but the handle is really wide and made out of this bundle of sticks. And, you know, to this day, people aren't entirely sure what that's for. But there's this guy. you got to check him out. I should have mentioned him a long time ago. His name is John Levy. And he has this channel where he kind of like is talking about all the stuff that I'm talking about here like he is thoroughly convinced that the history that we're given is false and he shows the evidence on his YouTube channel I highly recommend that you check him out but he's the one who kind of turned me on to this idea of this weapon called a fascist that it might actually be some kind of energy weapon like It was not just an axe, okay, that you, like, hit somebody with. It was like a device that made something happen, and it would wipe out armies of people, you know? It's like how you would conquer. You would use this fascist, this energy weapon that they devised a long time ago. Is it fantasy? I don't know. Maybe it is, but I don't know. I watched The Dark Crystal when I was a kid, and I kind of knew the difference between... You know, fake and like what could be real, you know? Although I did like the Dark Crystal a lot. You know, the Skexies and the Mystics. Do you remember that? Oh, it was so hilarious. Like, it was like a Muppet fantasy movie. <laughs> oh, the shit they had us watching when we were kids, you know? Um, anyway, so there you go. I don't know. I'm going to stop talking now because I have to get on with my day, but. It was great talking to you guys today. And I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. You know, I'm like excited, you know, I'm excited about the podcast and I'm excited about the music I'm making. I really am. And I'm ex- I'm happy. You know, I am happy. I said that I was sad about my folks dying and all that stuff, but my life is happy. And I hope that yours is too. You know, yeah, we have blue Mondays sometimes. And you know, sometimes life sucks. But Not all the time. Eat some ice cream. Make yourself smile. You know, some happiness in your life. So, everybody, my happy innovators, peace, love, and Melba Toast to you. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy. Well, hey, hey there, happy innovators. Thanks for sticking around to the end of the podcast to hear some music. I got a song for you today I'm going to share. It's a song called The War Drums of Peace. It was a song that I originally had done um, as part of a five-song EP I put together on a project I had called The Marion Circle Drum Brigade. And um, the reason that I want to share it with you today is that when I recorded this song, I did permanent damage to my voice I fried my voice out I was screaming so loud when I was singing this and you can hear you know I am yelling at the top of my lungs You know the lyrics to this song so bear that in mind while you're listening to this like I absolutely roached my voice and you know I sang this back in like 2010 this recording you're hearing but uh I still have damage from it now. So, (laughs) but I can still sing, I think, right? I think I can. So here we go. Without further ado, uh, the Pipe Choir redo, you know, remix or, you know, whatever, of the War Drums of Peace. One of my favorite songs and one of my favorite videos, too. And this video, by the way, now that I'm thinking about it, this video was the moment of the birth of that idea of me wearing that antenna on my head. It was because of this song, and I was filming this video, and that little antenna thing I had was part of, like, this collar that I made. The collar from the Lifeline video, if you watch the Lifeline video with my head inside that thing, the antenna was, like, stuck in that. I should probably show a picture of it sometime. But in an act of frustration, because like the filming wasn't going well, I was having technical problems and the costume wasn't working out so good, I yanked that antenna thing out of the collar and I stuck it on my head and I threw the collar and then I started to film. And when I watched it back, I was like, oh my gosh, that looks so cool. So when you're watching this video keep that in mind, that this idea of me wearing this antenna on my head, this is where it started. Okay? The day I was filming this video, and I was really having a lot of fun with this. So, okay, okay, okay. I'll quit talking. So here we go. Check it out. The War Drums of Peace by Pipe Choir.